0: Today marks the second most important Sunday in human history. Did you know that? Next week is number one. It's Easter Sunday. It's the day we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. But today is number two. In fact, it's such a big day that it gets its own name. How many Sundays can claim that, right? The second Sunday in September, doesn't really have its own name. The third Sunday in July, doesn't have its own name. The fourth Sunday in January, not so much, but this Sunday gets its own name, Palm Sunday. So what happened? What was the big deal? Why is it such a big thing that throughout history, people have celebrated this for almost 2,000 years? but it gets its own name. What happened that made this Sunday so earth-shattering and history-changing? If I could, I would love to paint the picture for you for a moment of that first Palm Sunday. Can you see it? Jerusalem is packed full of people. If you show up now and you're looking for a hotel, forget about it because they're booked. You're going to have to stay out in Jericho or Bethany or somewhere else, but Jerusalem's packed. You're not getting a room. If you want to go get something to eat, you're going to wait. There's going to be a couple hour wait because everybody is trying to get something to eat. The city is overflowing with guests and visitors from near and far. but they weren't there for Palm Sunday. They were there to celebrate the most important event on the Jewish calendar. People were there to celebrate the Passover. Real quick history in the Passover, that's when God rescued his people from Egypt when they were enslaved there. And you know how God did it? Remember what it says in Exodus? God said, I want you to take a year old lamb, perfect, blameless, without defect, and I want you to slaughter it. And then I want you to take the blood of that lamb and paint it over the top of your doorposts because tonight the angel of death is going to come and kill all firstborn male in Egypt. But if you do what I tell you to, if you paint the blood of the lamb on your doorposts, the angel of death will. Pass over, right? That's where they get their name. He'll pass over and the people inside that house will be safe. And so year after year, people gathered to celebrate, to commemorate, to remember God rescuing his people in Egypt all those years ago. But this time it was a little different. Because right, this time, there's another massive crowd making its way from a little town called Bethany, kind of a suburb of Jerusalem, down this path, the Mount of Olives, into the city. And it wasn't just a little crowd either. We're talking hundreds, of thousands of people even, and they're all making a noise. People are cheering. people are, are singing. People are taking off their coats and they're laying it down on the road. People are climbing trees and hacking down palm branches, and they're waving those because that was a symbol of victory. And then we're throwing them on the path again. But for what? Maybe you can almost hear and picture some of the people in Jerusalem as they see this crowd of thousands coming toward the city gate. Like, what is going on? Who who are these people, and and who are they cheering for? Who, Who is this? And then as the parade gets closer and closer, the the people kind of spread to the side, and there he is. Jesus. Riding on that donkey to the shouts of the crowd into the city of Jerusalem. On that... Second most important Sunday in human history, Jesus is going into the city of Jerusalem to the shouts and cheers of young and old. Men and women, boys and girls, people who were from the area, people who had come into the area from near and far, singing his praises. It was a party. (laughs) And if you could be at that party, it was one filled with joy, it was one filled with celebration, It was one filled with excitement. But not everyone was excited. There was a group of people who were not joining in on this party. They were not waving palm branches. They weren't taking off their cloaks and laying them on the ground for Jesus. Oh, no. They weren't happy at all. why right this group of guys were upset at what was happening which is kind of ironic though because they like to be the life of the party they had no problem being in the center in the limelight everybody listening to them and so maybe that was part of their beef that they didn't like this because they weren't the center of attention because nobody was cheering for them Well, there comes a point that these guys just can't take it anymore, right? And, and again, remember this, Jerusalem is packed and they're fighting the crowds, trying to make their way to Jesus and the disciples and finally they get to a point and this is what they say to him. They, they shout out to him, teacher! Hey, Jesus, hey, hey, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. You know how Jesus answers? You all know what this is, right? A rock? Good, thank you. This is a rock. Now, I know it was kind of cool, what was it, in the 70s to have pet rocks? Is is that right, the 70s or 80s? I, I don't know if anybody did that. I'm not picking on you if you did, but here's the thing about rocks. Rocks don't talk. Rocks don't give you hugs. Rocks can't speak. They can't shout. They can't sing. They can do nothing. They're inanimate objects that just sit on the ground and say nothing. And you know what Jesus says? He says, hey, guys, all right, I I could tell my disciples to be quiet, but if they keep quiet, you know what? These bad boys right here, these rocks, these stones, are going to start shouting, Hosanna. (laughs) Talk about about a mic drop move on Jesus' part, right? I could tell them to be quiet, guys, but if they do, the rocks are going to shout out. So today, as we consider the events of Palm Sunday, I want you to think very hard about this this question. Who's it going to be? When it comes to welcoming King Jesus, singing and praises, who's it going to be? You? Or is Jesus going to have to use the rocks? Because he will. So, Let's go back to this group of guys. Why were they so upset? Why were they so grouchy? Why were they so angry that Jesus was coming in in this big party, this big parade, and all his disciples are cheering? Why were they so mad? Why did not they just join in? I mean, who doesn't like a good party, right? But they refuse. And here's the deal. It's not so much that they didn't like parties or parades or were mad at that. They didn't like Jesus. Now the Pharisees—they were the religious leaders of the day, so they were like pastors. They were like church leaders. They they ran the show in the church, but also very much in culture, in society, in Jewish times at that point. And people held them in high regard and looked to them. And they had no problem telling people when to worship, how to worship, how to do the God thing, even if God never said it in His Word. They had their own system of rules. And they thought, if you check all the boxes, if you do all the things we tell you to do, like we do, then you're good to go with God, but if you don't, get away from us. You're not worthy, you're not worthy of our time, you're not worthy of our effort, and you're certainly not worthy of God's either, so you better get your act together and better be more like us. That was kind of their M.O., So now maybe you can kind of understand why they didn't like Jesus so much. Because Jesus came in and said the opposite. But, but, there's probably one thing more than anything else that really torqued these guys. And and I wish I had the time today to go through all these different stories in the Gospels that talk about this. But we can only look just a little bit earlier in the Gospel of Luke and there's one sense that I think sums up all of their anger and, 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 and disappointment and we can't like you and get along with you kind of Jesus, and this is it. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners. Ugh. If you read the Gospels from cover to cover, and, and if you looked at all the interactions with Jesus and the Pharisees, one thing I think would rise to the top, one thing that got Jesus in the most hot water with these religious figures was this. Jesus hung out and sought out sinners. Jesus hung out and sought out social outcasts, people that the Pharisees had written off, no good for nothing, sinful scum, that we shouldn't have anything to do with, Jesus would actually have something to do with. Oh, and that made them so mad. You can almost hear them, can't you? Throughout the pages of the Gospel, I mean, does not Doesn't Jesus know what kind of woman she is? He's got a, he's a teacher. He says he's the son of God, but there's no way. Doesn't he know that she makes a living keeping company with the business guys that come through town? So you know what kind of profession she's in. Doesn't Jesus know that? Why would he associate with her? Doesn't Jesus know that that guy, that wee little man named Zacchaeus is a crook and he's a thief and he's a scumbag because he steals from his own people and Jesus is going to his house? That, Jesus, are you, are you for real? You shouldn't be doing that, you know. Heck, Jesus, don't you know that one of the disciples that you chose was just as bad, if not worse, than Zacchaeus? His whole job was working for the Roman government, collecting taxes that he cheated us on so that he could get rich, and you called him to be a disciple? That's not cool. Jesus, don't you know that another one of your disciples, he he was a zealot, we're told, so he was basically a domestic terrorist? Don't don't you know that, that you have guys on the wrong political side of the aisle that you associate with? Jesus. You should know better. Jesus, don't you know that those people over there, th- those are the addicts, and those people over there, they, they don't come to church ever. In fact, we don't really want them to anyway, but, but why are you hanging out with them? How dare you, Jesus, hang out with sinners? Sinners. That is what really got under their skin. And I would imagine that that led to to the biggest thing of all that really torqued them is when Jesus said it's those sinners who are getting into heaven and not you. It's really interesting to, to see in the Gospels the people who should have been most uncomfortable around a perfect son of God, Jesus, weren't. They flocked to him. And the people, like like people like pastors and church people, who should have been the most comfortable around Jesus, were not. Like The Pharisees, the church folk like them, they thought Jesus was wrong. And they didn't hesitate to tell him. They thought Jesus was actually doing something sinful by hanging out with people like that. They couldn't fathom it. And so you see this interaction going back and forth throughout the Gospels of Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees hated him to the point where they plotted to kill him. And so they weren't cheering on that day. That that second most famous Sunday in all of human history, they weren't celebrating. But you know what? At least that day, it's going to change on Good Friday, but that day they were in the minority on that day thousands and thousands of people flocked to jesus and were singing his praises on that day thousands of people were busting out their phones and texting their family and friends and said you got to get here you got to see this guy jesus is coming to jerusalem our savior's here come and party with us On that day, the crowds shouted Hosanna, which literally means, Lord, save us, to the guy who was riding into Jerusalem to do just that. So why the difference? Why do you have thousands cheering on Jesus, singing his praises, and you have guys like the Pharisees over here, angry and upset, and wanted Jesus to shut this party down? It's because these people over here saw in Jesus their Savior. The sinners, the outcasts, the the people that that many wrote off, they saw in Jesus someone who could actually help and heal them because they knew that they were broken. And so they flocked to him by the thousands looking for forgiveness and help, and in Jesus they found it. I want to share one story from the gospel. I told you there's a lot of them and there are, but I want to give you one story from the gospel that I think illustrates this beautifully. All right, here's the scene. The Pharisees and guys like them catch a woman in the act of adultery. Now, just think about what's going on here. They catch her in the act, okay? They rip her from the bed. They take her out to the streets, naked, maybe covered with a bedsheet, But I've always wondered, where was the guy? Because he was doing something he shouldn't have too. And, And they're all there. They're ready to condemn her. They're all grabbing their stones, ready to pelt them at her. But then there's Jesus. Okay. Let's ask the rabbi what's up. Hey, Jesus, we caught this woman in adultery. God's word says adultery is a sin, right? Isn't that a commandment? Yep, it is. And the punishment for sin is ultimately death. Right, Jesus? Yeah, Jesus would agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we found this woman caught in sin. We're going to stone her. What do you say? Jesus says, I'll tell you what, guys. A couple of things. You are absolutely right. She committed adultery, and so did that guy, too. And the wages of sin is death. And so the soul who sins is the soul who deserves to die. And so you are absolutely right. So go ahead, everybody pick up a stone. Get the big ones, right? Get the really big ones. Pick up those stones, guys. But before you throw, I got one more thing to say. You guys ready? Got your stones? Okay, here it is. If you have never committed a sin in your life, go ahead and throw it at her head. That's what the woman heard, you know what it was? One by one, every person there took their stone and they dropped it and they walked away. And the only two people left is this woman caught in sin and and Jesus, and she's probably still covering her face, trying to cover her shame, expecting rocks to hit her, expecting to be condemned because she had no one to intervene, no one to help her and she opens her eyes, and there's Jesus. The only one left is Jesus who says, neither do I condemn you, because there's no one left here to condemn you, neither do I. I have forgiven you. Now go and leave your sin behind and live in my grace. When nobody was gonna give this woman a second chance, everybody wanted her dead to pay for her own sins, Jesus says, I'll take care of it. And here's the deal. I can't tell you chapter and verse and prove this, but I would bet my whole life savings, which isn't much, but I would bet it, that on that first poem Sunday, she was in the crowd. That she was in the crowd, waving the palm branches, singing, Hosanna, Lord, save us, to the one who already had saved her. You know who else I think was there? Lazarus. Right? We, we heard about him last week. Jesus had just raised him from the dead, literally like days earlier. And people had seen, people had heard, and I would bet a million dollars that Lazarus and Mary and Martha were there praising the one who had conquered death for their family. You know who else is probably there? Some of the guys that that were born blind, that couldn't see their whole life, but now, because of Jesus, they not only see the Palm Sunday crowd, but they also now see Jesus as their Savior, and they were cheering too. Or or people who, who had no use of their legs, they were crippled, they couldn't walk until Jesus says, pick up your mat and go home. I think on Palm Sunday they were there in the crowd dancing. Praising and thanking the one who did it for them. See, that crowd on Palm Sunday, it was full of sinners. Because that's the only kind of people there are. And so Palm Sunday, friends, is great news for us. If you have ever made a mess out of your own life by your own sinful choices, there's still hope. Maybe at some point in your walk of faith, the churchy folk told you you weren't worthy of his love. They told you that you shouldn't be in church or in the presence of a holy God until you cleaned up your life. Don't listen to that. And if you've ever heard that in the church, we're sorry, because that's not the message of the gospel if you look at your life and you see a label user or addict or less than perfect failure of a parent or angry or pride-filled or cheater or adulterer or homosexual or druggie or whatever it is when nobody is there to help and it seems like everybody's there to point the finger and condemn know this jesus died for you too No sin is too great. No one is too far gone for the power and reign of King Jesus. Because you see, that's what he was doing on that second most important Sunday in human history. That's why he doesn't stop the crowds that day from chanting, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Because that's what he was coming to do. That's why he doesn't, doesn't stop the Pharisees and their nasty plots to kill him. He allows it. He, he doesn't stop the powers that be from condemning him to die. He doesn't stop the Roman soldiers that nailed him to a cross because even if you took all that away, Jesus still would have done it. And he would have done it for you. Because on that first Palm Sunday, he rode into Jerusalem to save you, and he did. He knew what was at the end of the week. He knew it was sin and death, your sin, my death, but he went anyway to set us free, and now we are forgiven because King Jesus has finished it all for us. So, there's really only one thing left to do for us today. Let's join the party, let's join the parade. Because it's going to happen with or without us. Right? Let's join the parade. Hosanna! In the highest. Because he's riding into Jerusalem for us. He died. He defeated sin and death for us. Hallelujah, right? He is our king, and we are set free because of what he has done for us. And someday... You are going to be a part of an eternal party that's going to make Palm Sunday look like nothing. All because of Jesus. So, who's it going to be? You? Or is Jesus going to have to let the rock shout it out? Because either way, it's going to. It's going to happen. Friends Easter. The the greatest Sunday in human history is 1 week away. Let's get loud. Let's shout it out and tell others they got to come. I know there's still seats available for our two services. We're not at capacity, not even close. Let's tell our family members. Let's tell our friends. Let's tell our neighbors and acquaintances. Let's tell our baristas. Let's tell tell the lady at Chick-fil-A who took our change when we got a chicken sandwich yesterday. Let's tell them why Easter is so important. Why it's so vital. Let's tell them that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's your Savior. He's my Savior. He's our Savior. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen.